Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. How come Satan said, I'm asking for Peter specifically, I want to sift him like wheat. He was hoping to break him down, discourage him, and file him out of the race. And so I hope that in a really backwards way, I hope it might encourage someone here that's serving and finding it to be very difficult. It is not all fun. It's not. There are definitely some challenges that come with just setting your life aside for God's service. But if you endure to the end, it's always going to be worth it. Serving Jesus can be presented like a bit of a fairy tale story sometimes. You get to do good things, pointing people to Jesus, helping out, and making an impact. And in the end, you'll feel great. But it's not always like that. Pastor Bill will share today that serving Jesus can be hard. It can be difficult to keep loving people who aren't easily lovable. And the enemy is going to do his best to get in your way. But there will be a happy ending. Your Heavenly Father will be so proud of you for enduring. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Leviticus chapter 2 for today's edition of A Transforming Word. I told you guys the first several chapters of Leviticus, we're looking at uh, some of the different offerings that the Levites were going to be offering up to the Lord. Last, we looked at the burnt offering. It was significant in several ways. Uh, one, the burnt offering, I guess the thing that sticks out right away is that it would be all burnt up. So there wouldn't be any part of the burnt offering that was not taken up, that was not offered up. It was all burnt up to the Lord. And so we liken that to our own lives and how that God wants all of us. Uh, he wants all of our lives set apart for him that he might have his way in us and through us. And today, if we look at the grain offering, if the burnt offering was for consecration, the grain offering that we're going to look at is for consecration for service to the Lord. And so we're going to look at how they were to offer it up. There is a lot of things that are symbolic. So I'm going to take my time and try to point those things out as we look at it. But I would just ask you right up front that every one of us would consider. I believe that every Christian is called first to the Lord. And I believe that as we're called to the Lord to be in relationship, I believe then we're called to follow him in discipleship. And I believe that everybody's called to service. Every believer, every Christian, there's a gift. There are gifts that are given. There's definitely divine purpose in the life of the Christian, that our lives are not without purpose. They're not without meaning. We're not just to be meandering, just doing whatever. Um, and so um, in this chapter, as we look at the, the meal offering and how it was offered up and the different things in it, I believe that we'll learn about the kind of dedication. What's God want in those that are serving? How do we set ourselves apart for God's service? And um, go ahead and look at chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when anyone offers a grain offering to the Lord, his grain shall be a fine flour and he shall pour oil on it and put frankincense on it. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, one of whom shall take from it his handful of fine flour and oil and uh, with all the frankincense. And the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. And so let's rewind a little bit. There's the grain offering. And when someone's going to bring a grain offering to the Lord, first it says um, they're going to bring it an offer to the Lord. It has to be of fine flour. Can anybody tell me how do you get flour to be fine? What do you got to do to it? Sift it, right? So I don't cook, but I, I've seen other people do this where they put flour and they got the little thing and they shake it and they sift it through and it gets, I guess you get it finer and finer and finer. So it had to be fine flour and it was being sifted through this process. 
I believe each of these things have meaning, things that we can grab from. So there's the fine flour, there's the oil, and there's the frankincense. So first, with the fine flour, as this thing was being offered up, it's, it's being prepared to be offered up to the Lord. It's got to be sifted through first. I think of a different instances. There are several different people in Scripture that all of them, when God in his preparation for their service to him, he told them that they were going to, in some way or another, there was going to be suffering involved. Uh, how many guys know when the Apostle Paul, when he first met the Lord, he was blinded. This is in, in, in Acts chapter 9. He was blinded. And when Ananias went to him to minister to him, and Ananias was unsure, he, he, he had a conversation with the Lord about Paul or Saul before he went. And this is what God said to Ananias about Saul. He says, I'm going to show him how much things he must what? Suffer for my name's sake. That's, that's how I'm going to prepare Paul to be the... Now, we look at the, the flip side. I look at what Paul became, but his introduction into ministry is, I'm going to show you how much things you must suffer for my name's sake. You don't really hear those altar calls a lot at church. You don't hear people say, man, you sign up to serve God and their trials are guaranteed. You know, no one, you know, you got those precious promise books. There are verses that don't make them precious promise books. Second Timothy 3.9. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. It's a guarantee. You mean if I set my heart to live godly for the Lord, I'm guaranteed I'm going to suffer some hardship. So, I think because that's not shared often, that many people set their heart on service and then it gets rough and they get discouraged. And what happens? They just quit. They say, this is too hard. This is just, I'm frustrated. I thought that if I really got faithful and served God, that everything would go great for me. But it seems like the, the more dedicated I get to the Lord, the more battles. Why is that? The other example I'd like to bring up is Peter. God was preparing Peter. Peter was going to be of service to the Lord. It's in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. But, you know, Jesus told Peter he was going to mess up, you know, and Jesus told Peter this. He says, Satan has asked for you. He desires to sift you like wheat. Jesus told Peter, look, Satan is looking for you specifically that he might sift you like wheat. And he says, but don't worry, I'm, I'm praying for you. And afterwards, after you do what you're going to do, after you mess up, uh, after you've been truly converted, he says, you're going to go back and strengthen the brethren. God said, like, I know you're going to be prepared eventually to go back and strengthen the brethren. This is what I want to point out with Peter. God had already told Peter, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. God had already decided, Peter, your life is going to be used to do great things. You're going to be the reason why some people come to know me. I, I got a plan for your life. But it involved. The, why does Satan pick out Peter? Satan's not picking everybody out. How come Satan said, I'm asking for Peter specifically. I want to sift him like wheat. Um, he was hoping to break him down, discourage him and file him out of the race. And so I hope that in a really backwards way, I hope it might encourage someone here that's serving and finding it to be very difficult. It is not all fun. It's not. There are definitely some challenges that come with just setting your life aside for God's service. But if you endure to the end, it's always going to be worth it. And so, Paul, I'm going to show you how much things you must suffer for my name's sake. Peter, Satan wants to sift you with wheat. Jesus, our example in everything, when he came, before he began his earthly ministry, Satan himself came to Jesus. And you find this in Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Jesus had fasted 40 days and 40 nights. And after a 40-day fast, I don't think there'll be any greater temptation than food. I mean, day four, most of us would be falling over backwards. But, you know, because it was Jesus in his humanity, he experienced everything you would experience. And Satan came and said, hey, if you're the son of man, 
Why don't you turn these stones into bread? I know you're hungry. He didn't say that, but I, that's my paraphrase. And he came and he tempted Jesus three different times. And Jesus stood on the word of God each time. It is written. It is written. It is written. And he had a victory there. So the fine flour is going to be sifted through. Why is that significant for those that are going to be set apart for service? Just because we need to understand up front that the call to service is not a call to easy life. It's not a call to you're going to be sifted. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be difficulties. What you want to do is you kind of want to prepare yourself. God, I, I want to be prepared up front. I know that there'll be difficulties. I know there'll be warfare. So when it does come, I don't quit. So when it does happen, I don't get discouraged. I don't say, I don't understand how good this is happening. For the believer, we should say, I know exactly why this is happening. You know, me and my wife will be seem like every time, you know, we're preparing for something, and they'll men's events, women's retreat or some service, something. It's like, OK, where where's it going to come from? And you're just waiting and it's going to come. And then sometimes I forget and it comes. And my wife said, babe, remember, this is what it is right here. I've been invited to speak at Calvary Chapel Montebello. What I remember last time I got invited to speak there, I spoke on warfare. And so I woke up that morning and my wife was going to be, you know, driving to Inglewood. I was going to be going to Montebello for that morning or whatever. And somebody had shot my wife's window out. And just as I was about to get in the, you know, gangster bill mode, my wife said, babe, it's just warfare. Like, just just get just don't trip. I'm going to call Deb. She'll get us and the kids. You just go do what you were going to do. I'm going to go do what I was going to do. And then we'll just deal with it later. And I thought, wow, what, what? it was immediately when you were distracted. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm, I got in my mind. I'm going to go. I'm going to encourage three services of people about spiritual warfare and how to have a victory. And then I get I get slapped. The devil's like, you take that, you know. So for you guys that are serving and you guys that are stepping out to do things for the Lord, it happens. Don't quit. I believe that this is what we should do when, when warfare, whenever there's a, an attack, whatever you were about to do before the warfare came, you want to do that. But you want to now do it with a little stank on it. You know, it's like just I mean, guys, if this is what you're trying to stop me from doing, I'm going to not only I'm going to do it with more. I'm going to do it even harder. You know, I hadn't prepared that week when I went to do an altar call. I don't always do an altar call, but I'm like, you know what? Since the devil popped my wife's window, I'm doing an altar call at every service. I'm going to ask people to come forward. And it was like, if this is what it's against, then I want to just go further. What you don't want to do is quit. You don't want to wake up, have a little warfare. And say, I'm going to stay home today. Don't let Satan realize that that's, that's all it takes for you. You get the sniffles and you don't go. You're going to have the sniffles every week. You know, every you get a little a little a bad call. Or you get a, if that's all it takes to stop you. Then you can guarantee that Satan will be just he'll, he'll make it happen all, all the time. Well, you want to be an overcomer every time it happens and let you be sifted out. But when you're sifted out, when that flower goes through the sifter, it's just made finer and it becomes something that God says. Now, bring that to the offering. Bring that offer that to me. Don't offer the unsifted. I want fine flour. I want, to, I want the flour that's been sifted through and it's coming through fine. Bring that to me. That's going to be part of what I want in the offering. The next thing, the next ingredient for this grain offering. So there's the fine flour. Then it says, it says, and you shall pour oil on it. And I think we all know oil is symbolic in the scriptures of what? Holy Spirit. And he says, so you're going to have the flowers the sifted, fine, then you're going to bring it, it's going to pour oil on it, pour oil on top of it. We know, New Testament believers, Acts 1-8, that just before they were even sent out, God said, look, you guys need the power of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do the work I want you to do in your own strength. Um, Zechariah 4-6, you know, the, the, he says, uh, to the rubber bell, he says, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The things that I want to do, are going to be, they're not going to be accomplished in your own might, your own strength, your own flesh. 
It's going to be the, my spirit upon you that enables you to do it. And so maybe some of us are in a position where we're serving and there's things that are in front of us, things that we feel called to do. And they just seem so much more than what we can do. That's a great dilemma. That's a great position to be in because God allows that. God lets us get in those scenarios where we realize, God, I, can, I can't do this. This is bigger than me. My best is not good enough to accomplish this. And God says, that's why you need me. You need my spirit upon your life. You need a supernatural the move. You need the move of God upon your life. And so in Acts 1-8, the believers there were told, look, I got a call upon your lives. You guys are getting ready to go and start the early church. You don't even know it yet. But he says, don't go anywhere until the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And he told them in Acts 1-8, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, then you have power to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Not before. But after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to have power to be a witness. It's just going to happen. It's going to flow from your life. And so maybe for some of us, that's what we need. Maybe we've been sifted, but we have no power. We need God's power upon our lives that our service might not be of us. And so if you can look at however you serve God right now, whatever you do in service, if it can be accomplished in your own might without God, then I challenge you to go back to the table and say, Lord, what, what more do you want to do in my life? We don't ever want to get into a place where we're doing Whatever we're doing, we could do it in our own mind. I got this. I can handle this. Uh, We want to continue to be in a place where, God, if you don't show up, this won't work. If you're not in this with me, it'll fail. If your power is not upon me, if if you don't empower, you don't go before this, God, I'm going to fall on my face. It'll never happen. It'll never work. And it's scary all the time. There, I mean, for me, what I do here, there's so many decisions that we make that my flesh doesn't want to do them. And I always look afterwards and think like, man, what if I had pulled the plug on that? Because I'm scared because it, it's, it's scary. Um, but then I look at it afterwards. And I'm like, man, what a blessing. Like, look what God did. Look at look at what God did through that. But it's always scary. And there are times where it's like, all right, God's going to trust you beyond what I, I I'm just going to put it out there. And if you don't show up, nothing's going to happen. I'll confess that the men's advance. I was scared to death. The men I ain't like the women. The women start signing up months in advance. The men, 90 percent. 90% of the signups within the week that we go. That's how the men do. So I'm, I'm stressing. I'm talking to Charlie at the camp. How many guys you got? Uh, on paper or in reality, in payment or in theory or in hope? I, you know, and, and it was like, and I, I did. I, I, more than three times, I thought, maybe, maybe we're just not going to do it this year. And then the Lord was never saying that, but I was thinking that. And then I look at it afterwards as I'm up there and we're up there and I'm looking at what God's doing. It's like, man, what's wrong with me? I'm I'm a spiritual wuss at times. Like I just I need the Holy Spirit upon my life. If I had made my own decision, there was a there was at least three times where I would have said, maybe not this year. It's just not coming together. It's not working out. This isn't happening. But it all worked out. Um, And God just keeps letting us be in those positions where God, I I can't make this happen. So if you don't show up in a supernatural way. This is going to be a flop. And so. I'm I'm preaching to you not to be afraid of it. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm confessing that that comes right back at me. I battle with that on a regular basis. Um, But the things where I've seen God move the most magnificently, where I've seen God do the most like, wow, I've just been floored. It's when I put myself out there like that and said, you know what, God, I'm just going to go beyond. I know I can't do this. And so but you can do anything. And I feel led to go. So I'm going to go anyway and do what you say, do and just let the Lord let the Lord work it out. So we need the spirit of God upon our lives. So don't live so cautious and careful where you can calculate everything you do. If you want to experience God's hand and his move in your life, you got to give God room to move. 
You got to be in situations where, God, I'm here because you said be here. But I'm, I'm not here because it worked out on paper. I'm not here because the mathematics said to be here. I'm not here because I figure I can make it work. I'm only here because you said so. Now, I'm basically at your mercy. If you don't show up, nothing happens. And so I challenge all of us to be listening in that kind of way. Lord, lead me and guide me. Lead me beyond what I could see with my own eyes and help me to trust you like that. The cool stories you read about in your Bible wouldn't be it wouldn't be just the Bible that you could see God move in your life in that kind of way. And so the next thing, so you had the fine flour, you had the oil, I believe symbolic of the Holy Spirit, and put frankincense on it, he says. Frankincense is, I believe, symbolic of prayer. It's a type of incense It would be used in incense. The cool thing with incense is that it would, it would go up in smoke. And just a couple of, of references in Revelation 5, 8, we know that uh, the prayers of the saints were to God like incense as they were they were just being offered up to the Lord in that way. Um, in Psalms uh, 141 uh, verse 2, uh, the same thing, the psalmist there in Psalm 141 verse 2 said, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting of my hands as the evening sacrifice. As we've been sifted, as the Holy Spirit is upon our life, if we're desiring to be set apart for service, let it be some prayer. <laughs> Don't go out Without that covering, you want there to be prayer. Prayer is important for the servant of the Lord. Prayer is important for believers, but it's absolutely important for the servants of God. How do we know this? You look at the ministry of Jesus. And if I would look at anyone and say, but Jesus, I mean, he's God. Many people look at Jesus and they think that the things that he was able to do was because, well, he's the son of God. It's just, it was different for him, but it wasn't for him. And one thing that you saw Jesus do on a regular basis, it seemed like he was always getting away to pray getting alone with the father to seek him. He was making, I mean, he was making his way. He was making it a point early in the morning, Mark 1 says, before the sun woke up, after a full day of ministry, nonstop. He didn't sleep in. He didn't take the extra long. He got up early before everybody else when it was still dark and he went to a deserted place and it says, and there he, he prayed. And if Jesus needed to pray that he might be effective in his ministry, then we need to pray that we might be effective in ours, that we can't be effective without prayer. What will happen if you don't pray is you'll lack direction. You'll lack focus. You'll be going and doing all this stuff and then it won't be directed by God. And so you'll be feeling frustrated. Like I'm trying, I'm trying to be faithful. I'm serving God. I'm doing all this stuff. But you, you, the stuff you're doing is just stuff. You just woke up with a wild hair and just went left. And then you got it the next day and went right. And then you got it the next day and just tried something else where God said, I'd like to direct your service. I'd like your service to be directed. But in order for that to happen, you got to spend some time with me. That scenario in Mark chapter one, where Jesus got up to pray, they had a whole day of ministry. It was booming. It was effective. It was fruitful. And the disciples got up and they thought, hey, we're going to continue here today. And they're they're checking Jesus. They're saying, hey, where are you? People are looking for you. Let's go. And Jesus said, no, no. Now we're going to go to these other towns. And he said these words. Jesus said, for this purpose, we have come. How come he understood what his purpose was that day? And they didn't because he prayed and they didn't. They were just going to go and continue with what God was doing yesterday. Jesus said, no, I got new direction today. I've been with the father this morning and I got new direction. We're going to go here. And so, again, for the servant of the Lord, we definitely want to set aside time um, that there be prayer, that we'd be offering up prayer to the Lord with all these other things. So, yes, we've been sifted. Yes, the Holy Spirit upon our life. Yes, with prayer. Frankincense on it. Look at verse two. He shall bring it to Aaron's sons. The priest of one whom shall take it from his hand of fine flour and oil with all the frankincense 
and the priest shall burn it as a memorial on the altar, an offering made by fire, a sweet aroma to the Lord. Same thing we saw three different times as they offered up the burnt offering. It was a sweet aroma to the Lord. It was pleasing to him. As they would offer this up, the, the person offering the offering would bring these, these things. It would be given over. We're going to see in just a minute, there were three different ways that it could be baked or cooked and offered to God. Um, it would be given over to the priest, and the priest would burn it as a memorial on the altar, and it would be an offering made by fire, and it was a sweet aroma that this was pleasing to the Lord. And I would suggest to you that in the same way that this offering was pleasing to the Lord, that if you bring your life to the Lord and it's been sifted through, and it's been baptized in the Holy Spirit and it's been governed by prayer that I believe that we'll be offering up service to the Lord in a way that God will say that's pleasing to me. Do you know it's possible to serve in a way that's not pleasing to the Lord? That you could be doing stuff for God and yet not be pleasing to the Lord. There are people in churches all over the world that are serving. They're doing things for God and God would look and say, but I'm not pleased. It's not a sweet aroma. To me, how do we know that? Matthew chapter seven, there's a group of people on the day of judgment when it's too late to get right. And they're standing before God and they say, but Jesus doesn't know them. And they said, no, no, no. Yeah, you do. They said, well, but we served you faithfully. We, we, we did many wonders in your name. We cast out demons in your name. We prophesied in your name. Three different things they, they list out. We did this. We did this in your name. And, and Jesus doesn't deny that they did it. What he does deny is that he knew them. He says, depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you guys. We never had a relationship. Um, and I'm looking, thinking like, then what was the motivation for their service? Why were they prophesying? Why were they casting out demons? Why were they doing many other works? What was the motivation? I don't know. But whatever it was, their service, however, uh, however you know, frequent it was, however much service it was, they wasn't pleasing to the Lord. They weren't even right with him. So I think it is important that we look at what we do and how we do it, that God, we want to be pleasing to you in our service to you. We want, we want to glorify you in what we do. And so again, this for the Lord, this is a sweet aroma to the Lord. Verse three, the rest of the grain offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is most holy of the offering to the Lord made by fire. And so God would take care of Aaron, Aaron and his son. They were serving as priests. And as they were there offering these offerings, there would be a portion of it offered up to the Lord. And there was a portion of it that was to be for them. Um, they were going to live off of this. They were going to also uh, be able to consume it. It was going to be set apart for them, Aaron and his sons. In verses four, five and six and seven, uh, there are three different ways that the meal offering could be prepared. And so I'm going to read through three through seven real quick, and I'll come back and talk about it. I'm sorry, four through seven. It says, and if you bring as an offering, a grain offering baked in the oven, that's the first way, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour mixed with oil or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. The second way, but if your offering is a grain offering baked in a pan, it shall be a fine flour unleavened mixed with oil you shall break it in pieces and pour oil on it. It is a grain offering. And the third way, verse seven, if your offering is a grain offering baked in a covered pan, it shall be made of fine flour with oil. You shall bring the grain offering that is made of these things to the Lord. When it is presented to the priest, you shall bring it to the altar. This is what we get out of that. Three different ways it can be prepared. Baked in the oven, baked in a pan, baked in a covered pan. I was just reading to that earlier thinking, so what? 
What does that what does that mean? What's the big deal? And this is what I get out of it. God says, look, maybe everybody have an oven. The baked in a pan would be more like a skillet. So just an open flat top, something you bake it on. And then the other option was a, in a covered pan. So something that could be covered. What God had done here is made a provision. Look, it's, I'm going to make it easy. Pastor Bill Buffington will share more from the book of Leviticus right here on A Transforming Word. But that's all we have time for today. A Transforming Word is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood, and our prayer is that this ministry touches your faith in such a way that you grow closer to Jesus. We know just how hard it is to live like Christ in a world full of darkness. But just as the Israelites had to learn, God is near. Even when you don't see Him, even when you don't feel Him, even when you don't understand Him, He is near and He is for you. His grace is endless and His love is deep. When the pressures of this world get to you, remember who you are in Him. If you'd like to learn more about the book of Leviticus and you'd like to study the Bible more deeply, we have a helpful Bible reading plan on our website. This can be a useful guide to help you explore the Word on a daily basis. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and you'll find resources and tools to help you continue to grow in your faith. Before we go, we also want to let you know that you can connect with us on social media too. Like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. We'll add some uplifting content to your week. A Transforming Word is a broadcast on the radio, and our goal is to help spread the good news of the gospel. If you'd like to find out more about how to support A Transforming Word, go to CalvaryEnglewood.org or donate through our app. We're so thankful for your support and more than anything, we hope this ministry has been and continues to be a blessing to you. Thanks for your support and thanks for tuning in. To learn more from Leviticus, be sure to join us next time right here on A Transforming Word.